How many of you are all ready for Christmas? <laughs> One of my favorite words, about. I'm about ready for Christmas. Isn't it fun watching children get ready for Christmas? I'm beginning to relive all that again with our granddaughter, Harper Grace, who lives with us. And I asked Harper Grace uh, uh, a couple of days ago, what, what, do you, what do you want for Christmas? Well, um, she didn't say things. Well, have you told Santa you want anything? He said, yes, I just told him. I said, what do you mean? I just, she's behind the couch. I just told him, Jay Paul, I want a real live bunny. Okay. No pressure there, right? A real live bunny. I came across some letters of some children that have written requests to Santa. I'm going to put those on the screen for you. The first one says, dear Santa, I've been very good this year. And for Christmas, I would like a Barbie house like my friend Macy, a pad, a box of tacos. How about that? Uh, and a pet pig. So listen, at least I'm thankful Harper Grace didn't say pet pig. Uh, this next one is pretty cool. Uh, Dear Santa, and they list all the uh, IP addresses. Uh, for This is a technology Santa here, right? Um, and then, uh, Dear Santa, um, I flushed my brother's head in the toilet, but can I still have a puppy? You know? So bunny rabbit, see the theme here? Bunny rabbit, uh, pet pig, and puppy. And now Maddie here, uh, she has a rather long list, uh, and so her folks are going to have a lot of fun coming up with that stuff, uh, or Santa is delivering that stuff. And uh, number 17, especially, a magic ice cream maker. But I don't see any animals on that one. Um, and then, dear Santa, uh, you better bring me a pony, or there will be consequences, you know? <laughs> so anyway, these animals are getting larger as we go through this, I think. Um, and then this next one, much more serious young lady, um, easy bake oven. And then like any good chef, she needs some duct tape, right? Uh, uh, Santa button, uh, building blocks, not uh, Lego foam. I'm getting serious here. I'm growing up. Unicorn stuffed animal, word on pillow, peace. How about that? She wants peace on her pillow. A snowflake phone case, princess baby bell, and world peace. How about world peace, right? That's a big ask, big ask. And then this last one I really like, uh, dear, dear Santa, I believe in you. I believe your reindeer can fly. Santa, my presents I want are going to be given to me by my family, but I do have a favor for you to do. Go to all the people that don't have food and give them food because I believe that's what Christmas is all about. I think that young lady probably gets it. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, most of us aren't quite ready yet for Christmas. That's the theme of our sermon series. Advent is how the church, the people of God, get ready for Christmas. Advent reminds us that God is at work in the world and that he is the reason for the season. So as Christians, we take the full weeks before Christmas and get ready. Advent prepares our hearts to celebrate the gift of God's son. Advent recognizes that we have an incredible opportunity to partner with God in changing the world. We get to partner with God in changing the world. And our world needs change. People are protesting an election in the streets. Violence and bloodshed continues in our communities. Our differences seem to push us further and further apart. The threat of terrorism and war still grip our world. It seems we have a whole lot more troublemakers in the world than we have peacemakers. The reality is, my friends, we live in a world that is still cursed by sin. A world cursed 
by sin. And our world needs to change. And as we lament the changes that need to happen, as God's people preparing for Christmas during the season of Advent, perhaps the change needs to begin with me. Perhaps the change needs to begin with you. The change needs to begin within the people of God. The people who know what God wants them to do. Psalm 21 says, the Lord will bless his people with peace. What a great promise. The Lord will bless his people with peace. And there's a real hunger for peace in our world. Now, real and lasting peace is not a program. It's not brought about by a political leader, by a president, or even by a pastor. No military force will ever be powerful enough to enforce lasting peace. Peace, the real peace that the Bible talks about, is a gift. It's a gift. And it's a gift that can only be received by faith. Now, Isaiah revealed to us how God would bless his people with this peace. 700 years before the birth of Jesus, God's plan was centered in a baby, a royal child, God's own son, his son that would be so great that Isaiah needed four titles to describe him, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Prince of peace suggests that the coming Messiah will be the key to our peace. He is the key to our peace. Now, the word peace is found over 400 times in the Bible. The word peace is found throughout the prophecies that predicted or prophesied about the coming of the Messiah. If you look at the definition of peace, it means untroubled tranquility. Untroubled tranquility. And the Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it means blessedness or completeness. For Isaiah, who wrote this passage this morning, peace was a condition when things would follow their destiny undisturbed. The people of Israel would be free from political tyranny, from violence, from occupation, and from oppression. Now, in the New Testament, peace takes on a broader meaning. It's when we experience God's grace for our past, our present, and our future. Peace is when things are right with God in our hearts, and we have this calmness, this serenity that God has got this. God has got this. I shared with several people, and I read this several places, that one of the things that gave me peace about the presidential election was no matter who was elected, on the next morning, God still had it. God was still in charge. God was still in control. And we don't put our faith in people. We put our faith in God. Because people will let us down every time. So the Prince of Peace has come so we can have peace with God. I want you to hear that this morning. We can have peace with God. One of my favorite verses uh, in Romans is Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we've been made right with God, in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Because we've been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace. Peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. We can have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus Christ is here today through the power of the Holy Spirit to make you right with God. Now, one of the things that I've done through the years is in sharing with people how to discover peace. There are four steps 
to discover peace. And th these are uh, not original. Uh, you can actually find these in the little tract that's in your, in your front of your seat there or behind, on, on the seat in front of you. And I'll be sharing these same steps uh, this afternoon as we have a new member class, as we have folks coming to explore membership in our church. But we need to understand the steps to peace with God. And I, and I share this with you so that if you don't have peace with God today, you can find peace with God. But also I share these because if you know someone in your family, know someone at work, know somebody in the neighborhood that is wrestling with peace, that you can help them discover the steps to peace with God. I'm going to give them to you very quickly. The first is this, is God's purpose in our life is peace. Peace in life. God wants you and I to have peace in life. When I got up this morning and got ready to come here, the Holy Spirit whispered in my ear, Jeff, I've got this. This morning, I've got it. You, we've prayed. We've, we've, you've prepared. Um, trust me, we've got this this morning. This is in my hands. I, I can't tell you the times when we were building this building and all this construction that the Holy Spirit had to say to me, Jeff, I've got this. <laughs> Would you quit worrying about it? Would you trust me? I've got this. I'm in control, and you're not. Uh, so peace in life. Um, great verse out of John 10, 10, I have come that they may have life, said Jesus, and may have it more abundantly. Now, the problem is with this, how we don't, why we don't have peace, is our separation from God. That you and I, because of our sins, become separated from God. Romans 3 says, for all have sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And that sin in our life separates us from God. And then we make all kinds of attempts to reach God. We, we think that uh, if I can just do good things for God. You know, Christmas is a time of goodwill and and we like to do a lot of good things. And well, if I do enough good things, maybe I can make God happy and I can have peace with God. We also think if I can uh, be religious. Uh, people say to me when I say, uh, ask him, how are things with you and God? Do you have peace with God? Well, I need to start going back to church or I, I need to get more religious. No, finding peace is not being about being more religious. Uh, it's not about coming to church more. It, it, it's something greater than that. See, religion is defined by the word do. Religion says you got to do all these things. If you do all these things, then you can find peace with God. Christianity is defined by the word done, D-O-N-E, because Jesus Christ has already done everything for you so that you can have peace with God. You need to receive that peace from him. So that's the third thing, or, or excuse me, as, uh, let me get to the, the, talk about the cross for a minute. The cross then is the only way. This is what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. The cross is God's peace treaty. The cross is where Jesus Christ went and died for my sins and died for your sins so that we can have peace with God. It's God's peace treaty. We have a cross right here. We have a cross. Well, it was up here. It's behind the Christmas tree, I think. But there's a cross right here uh, that reminds us that this is the peace treaty that we have with God. That in, in a few minutes in the service, we're going to celebrate what that means. We're going to take the, the bread and the cup, and we're going to talk about the body of Christ that was broken and the blood of Christ that was shed on a cross, and that's the peace treaty. When we receive that today, we can have peace with God. And then it doesn't stop there. We want to just not have peace with God, but there's some other things that God wants us to do. So the key then, the fourth step, is I've got to receive Christ. I've got to receive what Christ has done for me. I can't give you peace. Only Jesus can give you peace. I can pray for you to find peace. But it's when you receive Jesus Christ, receive what he's done, that he went to a cross, died there, so that the penalty, the payment for our sins could be made, 
and I receive that work, I accept that into my heart, then I'm forgiven, I'm cleansed, I'm made right with God, and I can have peace with God. Now, it's that simple. Can you, can you remember to share those things with someone who's, who's resting with peace, that, we, that, we, uh, that God wants you to have peace, that we are separated from God by our sins, the cross is God's peace treaty, and we must simply receive Christ. John 14, 27 says this, Jesus said to his disciples, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or be afraid. We can have peace with God today. We can be made right with God today. And this is a peace you can't get anywhere else. It's not for sale. It's a gift. The gift of God to you today is his peace. Peace with God. And then when we find peace with God, we can have peace with ourselves. Peace with ourselves. You know, it's one thing to have peace with God. It's another thing to experience the peace of God. The peace of God. The peace of God that is in my heart. The peace of God that knows that God has my life in his hands. The peace of God that knows that God is going to be with me in everything. Now, we said in the Advent reading that peace is not the absence of trouble or problems. I want you to hear that. Peace is not the absence of trouble or problems. And, and, and finding peace, the peace of God in our hearts, is not always easy. You know, Jesus was at peace with God, his Father, but he still struggled with pain. If you, if you read the Gospels, he struggled with sorrow. He, 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 troubled, he was troubled and he wept at the tomb of his friend Lazarus. When he looked over the city of Jerusalem, his heart was broken and he wept and he, and, and he, and he, and he was saddened. And then when he went to the cross, he wept. He cried, he prayed, he anguished, but he was still at peace with God. That peace with God never left him. Even on the cross before he died, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He felt anguish in his heart. And some of you here this morning have felt that same anguish. God, where are you at in the midst of my troubles and the midst of my problems? Where are you at, God? Jesus felt that same struggle as he died on a cross for our sins. But it never changed the fact that he was always at peace with God. And then on that third day, we celebrate as Christians that he resurrected from the dead and experienced glorification and resurrection. You know, Jesus was not indifferent to life's problems. I want you to hear that. We as Christians, because we make peace with God and we find the peace of God in our hearts, we're still going to have struggles. We're still going to have challenges. But his secret was inner peace, the peace of God. Now, how did he, have, how did he hold on to that peace, the peace of God, in the midst of living in a broken, harsh world? Well, I believe it was through prayer. One of the ways you experience the peace of God is you got to get to know God. You got to get to know God. You got to have conversation with God. You got to talk with God. Every day you got to talk with Him. It's a, you know, the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. Um, I have a constant dialogue going on with God because I need His presence in my life. Every problem that comes up, I say a quick prayer God, <laughs> help me say the right thing here. Lord, help me do the right thing. Help me to remember that. Somebody tells me something, I'll say, God, help me remember that. You know, I, I don't need to forget that. That's very important. Then I write it down. But, but still, praying without ceasing, we got to get to know who God is to know the peace of God. we got to spend some time in Scripture. You know, Jesus spent time with God's Word. 
He studied and knew the prophets. You and I need to spend some time in Scripture. He was obedient to God. He did God's will. He said, Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done. You want to know the peace of God? Live in the will of God. And whenever you and I begin to live in our own will, do our own thing, we begin to lose the peace of God in our hearts. Because we're struggling because we know we're not doing what it is that God wants us to be doing for our lives. So trust him with your life. I believe another source of peace for Jesus and for ourselves is the Holy Spirit. There's a supernatural peace that the world cannot give you. And it comes from God's Holy Spirit. And, and, and it comes just when we need it, the sensing of God's presence in our heart. And then there's this community that's very important. Jesus had community. He had disciples that he hung out with. He, he asked his disciples to pray for him. He asked his disciples to fellowship with him. He broke bread with them. And I believe there is great peace uh, when we find other believers that go through the struggles of life with us. They go through the challenges of life with us. They go through the celebrations of life with us. We can have peace with ourselves through community, through the Holy Spirit, through obedience, through Scripture, and through prayer. These words from Paul in Colossians 3.15 says this, And let the peace... Read it with me. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. That's a great word for us this morning. How do we have peace ourselves? How do we have peace, the peace of God? Let. Say let. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. It's a choice. Am I going to let the peace of God rule in my heart? Or am I going to worry? Am I going to be afraid about the future? Am I going to let the peace of God rule in my heart? See, it's a choice. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. And I believe when we start letting the peace of God rule in our heart, we can let go of the things we're afraid of. We can let go of the failures in our life. We can begin to trust that God has it. What does it mean to let? It means to ask God to rule. And ask, ask God to guide, ask God to control. We begin to live in the peace of God. And we're always going to be thankful. Now, we can have peace with God. We can have peace in our hearts. And we're also called to have peace with others. Peace with others. And this is where it gets real challenging, right? We can uh, uh, receive the peace of God to have peace with God. We can find peace within ourselves. But the real challenge for us oftentimes is to be at peace with others. God calls us to be peacemakers. And, and, and that takes some work. It's not easy being a peacemaker, isn't it? I mean, it's not easy. It requires time. It requires effort. It requires uh, courage. It requires energy. It requires humility to ask for forgiveness when we were wrong. When we've wronged someone, it takes courage to say, would you forgive me? It requires courage to turn the other cheek when you've been wronged. And all of us here have been wronged by someone. And all of us probably struggle with things like resentment and anger and bitterness. But Jesus said, what? Turn the other cheek and be a peacemaker. How many times should we forgive our brother who sins against us? Seven times 70, right? Don't ask me to do the math on that, but it's a lot. Yeah? We're called to go and make peace. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart and be a peacemaker. 
Now, now studies show us that during the holiday seasons, that domestic violence increases, that there is less peace often during the seasons because of violence. And, and, I, and, I, and you may wonder why that is. I, 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 I read this earlier or a couple weeks ago that some of the causes for that is, uh, first of all, is time. <laughs> we spend a lot more time with each other. And so we begin to get on each other's nerves sometimes, right? Uh, I was just blessed to have uh, my mother-in-law with me for a couple days. Hey, Lois, I know she's going to be watching this in a couple days. Uh, we had a great time because she taught me how to make her homemade cornbread dressing. And I videotaped it, right? I videotaped because nobody knows how to make Lois's homemade cornbread dressing. I'll have to show you that video sometime. Um, but a little tension in the kitchen, you know, a little tension in the kitchen as uh, Lois and I worked on homemade corn. You, you know, there was, she, I've been asking her this for five or six years, right? How to make cornbread dressing. And I realized as she started making, she'd left steps out. You know, I said, right, I want to see you do this. Because I, I tried it at, at Thanksgiving. It was terrible, you know. And so I said, I want to videotape you doing this. And sure enough, she left steps out. And I got it on tape. But anyway, we, we, we need to, uh, we need to uh, make peace. Uh, but we spend more time with each other. And so after time, it's some pressure. Uh, then finances are a cause uh, over the, you know, the Christmas holiday seasons as we overspend or we don't think we have enough to spend and we start feeling the tension of finances. And so you got time, you got finances. And, and then this one in, in domestic violence especially comes in is when you throw in alcohol, okay? I just want to give you a little, I'm not going to talk about that one. Uh, but just those are the things that all of a sudden you, you're going to have a great family get together or you're going to have a great season. All of a sudden things explode because uh, we don't bring God into the mix as much as he should. We don't let the peace of Christ rule in our heart. And these other things start getting in the way. Uh, tensions and frustrations and finances and then outside influences and sources that cause problems. So we need to pray, I think, for the men and women in uniform who protect the peace uh, during this time of year. Tough time of the year. Uh, the, the men and women who, who serve, our, our, serve our country around the world keeping peace uh, from violence and from war around our country. Um, so what's the key to having peace with others? You know, you know really wrestle with that. How do, how do we find that peace? You know, in our text this morning in Isaiah, uh, in, in, in verse 7, of the greatest of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness. This peace that God's going to is going to bring to us is going to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. Now, what does that mean, righteousness? It's a word we use in church a lot. I don't mean self-righteous. I mean righteousness. Righteousness is, is, is who God is. God is right. God is holy. But righteousness for us is having a right standing with God. It's when we're standing right with God. It's when we're in a right relationship with God. And then we, are, we have right behavior within the community. And God's righteousness is demonstrated by his faithfulness. You know, we, we're reading a verse out of Isaiah that's several thousand years old. God is faithful to his covenant. That demonstrates God's righteousness. God has never given up on anybody in this room this morning. God is faithful to his righteousness. And our righteousness is demonstrated when we're faithful to God, when we're right with God and we, and we live right within the community. You know, we were made right by what Christ did for us. But it's our relationships with others that demonstrates our righteousness. That's how we treat people. And justice. What is justice in this text? It's wanting God's best for God's people. It's wanting God's best for God's people. 
Do you want God's best for God's people? Or do you want your best for God's people? God's best doesn't always look like our best. God's best for God's people is justice. Justice is doing our best to make things right. Justice is seeking out those who are lonely, those who are broken, those who do not know the peace of Christ, to bind up their wounds and show them the way to the Prince of Peace. Isaiah goes on to say in chapter 32, the effect of righteousness will be peace. Think about that. The effect of righteousness will be peace. That when you and I have a right relationship with God and we live right within the community, right within our families, the result will be peace. That's powerful, isn't it? Righteousness and justice establish and uphold the peace of God. Now, Jesus called us to be peacemakers. Blessed are those who are the peacemakers. I love how Eugene Peterson says it in the message. It says this, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. The Lord convicted me with that verse this week. I needed to make some phone calls. I needed to uh, write a letter to a family member, which I did, because I wanted to start to, uh, put that verse back up, please. I wanted to uh, cooperate instead of compete. And that's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. That's a great verse for us. Christmas time, Advent time is a great time to share the peace of Christ. Who do you need to reach out to to show the peace of Christ? Who do you need to call? Who, who do you need to send a letter to, an email to? And you say, I just want to extend to you the peace of Christ. I want God's best for you. I want to care for you. You know, Thursday night, I was blessed to be with Governor Haley uh, as she uh, led our 50th uh, lighting of the state Christmas tree at the state house. And one of the things that she said is during all the troubles of South Carolina, during all the tragedies of South Carolina, during all the difficulties of South Carolina, we prayed more than we protested. Can I get a second of that? What a great statement. We prayed more than we protested. We were in our churches more than we were in the streets. And I think there's great truth in that. And I believe, personally, my opinion here, I don't try not to give a political opinion from the pulpit very often, but I believe God's hand is on Governor Haley to be a peacemaker. And I look at what has happened in South Carolina over the last year and how God used her to promote peace. And, and the rest of the nation is watching South Carolina and how we handle violence and how we handle tragedies, how the people of Emmanuel Church, uh, Mother Emmanuel Church in Charleston, handle the tragedy of, of incredible violence. And they chose to be peacemakers. Now, they're looking for justice. They're looking for righteousness. But also, they're looking for peace. And I praise God. Can we say amen to that? Amen to that. We, we, we can applaud that. I think we need to celebrate that. That is a great, great testimony. And I, I'd ask you to pray for Governor Haley as she prepares to be uh, the UN ambassador. What a great place to be a peacemaker. What a great place to make peace among the nations. What, what a great place to share the peace of God. And I prayed that blessing for her that she would go and be a peacemaker. You know, I love what one of the children put on their letter that they asked Santa for world peace. If you look closely at that letter where they asked Santa for world peace, 
they had to erase something off their list and write in world peace. What is it you need to erase off of your list and write in peace? I want to promote peace this Christmas. I want to be a peacemaker this Christmas. I want to be the person God wants me to be. You know, one of the, the hindrances to peace is avoidance. We don't want to have the conversation. We don't want to go there. So we avoid it. Or we have apathy. There's no way they're ever going to listen to me. Or sometimes we go the opposite of that and we get overly aggressive and that doesn't fix anything. Will you uh, be a peacemaker by taking the first step? Will you show kindness and sacrifice? And will you turn the other cheek? And will you serve the person that you're reaching out in peace? There's an ancient practice in the church of passing the peace of God. Passing the peace. Now, it's not the greeting time. It's not a time we speak to each other and say hello. It's a chance to make peace where there is conflict, to show grace where there is anger, to show that God is better instead of being bitter. And I believe that some of the greatest hindrances to the work of God is not the attacks from the outside, but the conflicts among us from the inside. We need to do a better job in the church of passing the peace to each other and showing each other the peace of God. And then when we start showing each other the peace of God, the world will watch us celebrate peace among ourselves. Now, this church has been marked by a long history of peace, and I pray that that continues in our church. My brother Bill is preaching over in the traditional room, and I want to borrow some of the statements right here, and I want to add a few to it just real quickly in describing a peacemaker. See if this describes you. A Christian peacemaker listens to other people with both ears. A peacemaker knows how to say, brother, I respect your view. But you and I will just have to agree to disagree. A Christian peacemaker knows that 10 words of testimony are worth more than 100 words of an argument. A peacemaker knows that silence is sometimes the best response when you're angry. Peacemakers build people up. Peacemakers compliment more than they criticize. Peacemakers refuse to write any person off as worthless. And a peacemaker knows that no person is beyond the reach of God's love. A peacemaker knows that no one is beyond the reach of the Savior's love. Maybe there's somebody in your life that you've written off. There's just no way. Jose. God says otherwise. He came to make peace with them and peace with you so you can make peace with others. Through the Prince of Peace, through his advent, we can have peace with God. We can have peace with others and we can have peace with ourselves. But there's one more point I got to make this morning, and that is we can have peace for tomorrow. Peace for tomorrow. You see, this is a time of celebrating the advent of Christ, the birth of Christ, but also the church is anticipating his return, his second coming. He is coming back again. And we wait in hope knowing that when Jesus comes, there'll be restoration to the way the world was meant to be. Isn't that great news? There'll be restoration to the way the world was meant to be. We wait for the day when there will be a new earth and a new heaven. And we're going to receive Holy Communion in just a minute. And in that Holy Communion, Jesus said this to his disciples. I will not eat of this meal again until the fulfillment of the kingdom. We remember it, we celebrate it, but Jesus will not eat of this meal again until the fulfillment of his kingdom. And that fulfillment won't take place until the second advent, the consummation of God's kingdom when that happens. So this morning, just some real practical steps to peace. Will you receive the Prince of Peace in your life? 
Will you request his peace every day through prayer? Will you rest in his peace? Will you let his peace rule in your heart? And will you reach out to share his peace with someone else? Those are four great things that all of us can do to share the peace of God. Receive it. Rest in it. Reach out to others. Reach out to God and let his peace rule in your heart. Let me pray with you. Father God, I thank you that you have called us to this place to worship you, to celebrate, to receive your peace, to find your peace in our hearts and to make our peace with others and to anticipate the coming peace. Now, Father God, as we begin to prepare for Holy Communion, may we receive your peace. May we share your peace with others. Lord, be with that person today who feels miles from you, who's conflicted and at war. I pray that they would receive your peace now in Jesus' name. Amen.